It's from the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness of this world and life. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make every crooked path straight. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In our last broadcast, we spoke about the gospel message not being an end in itself. Indeed, we said that it is not even a means to an end. Rather, it is the beginning of a, of a new life. It is a message that speaks of the beginning of a new life. A new life in Christ. A new life free of sin. A new life with a new purpose, the purpose of God. A new life in which we begin on, on the earth and we culminate in heaven. A new life of living for God. A new life free from the fear of God's punishment in hell. A new life of holy living and dedication to the service of God. So the gospel message is about a changed life, not just about going to church, but about a changed life. In this broadcast, what we want to do is we want to build on that since the gospel is not an end in itself and is not a means to an end, but the introduction into a new life. We want to begin to talk about certain things about this new life. Now, after a person has heard the gospel message and is convicted of his sinfulness and he repents, he must now be made to understand the new life that he has been brought into because he does not immediately know that. And so he has to be brought, he has to be, it has to be explained to him. This is effected through teachings from the scripture given by those who are spiritually mature and who have been living this new life. So we have somebody who says he, he, he has repented, has come to the Lord, having been convicted of sin and is convinced that he's a sinner, has accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as his Lord and his Savior. Now, he must come into a place where he is being taught the word of God. And this is the place where the church comes in. The church is basically a school, sort of, besides the fact that it's a community of believers. But it's a place where new believers are taught about the new life. For instance, there are questions that he would have to, to he, would, he, would, he would need to ask or to answer. He would, he would need answers to. He, he could say, how do I relate with God from now? Since I'm no longer an enemy of God, how do I relate with him from now? What do I need to do with the criminal past I had been living? This question, you know, uh, reminds me of the story of an American gangster to whom uh, people had preached and he had come ostensibly to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was being taught gradually. But after a while, they noticed that they didn't see him again in church. And they began to hear things of some of the gang activities taking place. People were being killed. People were being maimed and injured. So the, the, the church approached them and said, ah, what's going on? You know, these things, uh, you, you're not supposed to be doing them again. So he, he raised the issue of a Hollywood uh, film star who had been born again and he continued to act in his, uh, he continued acting his films. So he said, if you could have a Hollywood star who was born again, then what is wrong with having a born again gangster? He's born again, but he can still continue in his gangsterism. And that became an issue. There are people today who say that they have surrendered their lives to Christ. 
they say that they are born again. And they say so many things about this new life. And yet they continue to live the old life. So beginning from this broadcast, we want to discuss some fundamentals that address issues and questions of this sort. And yes, they are part of the general of the gospel message, a part of the gospel scheme. One of these fundamentals that we are going to begin with uh, in this particular broadcast is this matter or the subject of being born again. So what does it mean to be born again? What does it really mean when somebody says, I am born again? What does it mean for somebody to be, to, for it to be spoken of someone to say that this man is born again? Let's look at the scriptures. And I'm going to read it from John chapter 3, from verse 1 through to verse 16. John chapter 3, from verse 1 through to verse 16. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Then, uh, sorry, verse 6 now, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly I say to you, We speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. <clears throat> May the Lord bless you of his word in Jesus' name. We have read the story of Nicodemus. Nicodemus had seen the Lord Jesus at work, had heard him speak, and had seen him manifest the power of God. And so he came at night to visit the Lord. And in the course of his um, seeking to embellish the Lord's uh, accomplishments, the, the Lord caught him, as it were, uh, caught that conversation, as it were, and began to speak to him. He began to address the core issue that was Nicodemus' problem. Nicodemus was already a leader in this, in, 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 uh, amongst the Jews. You could call him today a bishop, a pastor, a reverend. He was already what you would call a man of God even in his own right. 
So when he came to the Lord, he, he was he probably believed that he was coming to meet with another colleague of his. But the Lord, you know, gave him a, a, a strong statement in verse 3. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus rightly asked the question, how can a man be born again in his old age? I'm already old. Am I going to re-enter my mother's womb and be born a second time? And then the Lord tells him again. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, this is verse 5. Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So this matter of being born again is crucial. First, he says, you cannot see the kingdom of God if you are not born again. Secondly, he says, you cannot even enter the kingdom of God if you are not born again. So it is important. It is a crucial matter. And there are various ways by which we can express this phrase, born again. One, we can speak of it as a rebirth, as being born all over again. Now, psychologists try to do this in their, in, in their, in their um, therapy sessions. They try to simulate a, a, a rebirth. They would cover this fellow in some clothing, some fluffy clothing or whatever, because they believe that he had a problem from the time he was born. And so they, they put him in some fluffy cloth, and tell him to try and re-emerge from that fluffy cloth and say he is being born again. But that is not what we are talking about. Being born again is not what the psychologist is doing. The rebirth is a spiritual matter. It is not a simulation. It is a spiritual matter that has the physical evidence of a genuine rebirth. Some others say it is. it means, it could also mean rather, to be born anew, to be born as a new person, even though you have not been born physically, you have not been born me medically rather, or biologically, but you are now a new person from the person that you were before this being born again thing happened, before you were born anew. To be born again, finally, means, and this is the real meaning, this means to be born from above. To be born by God. To be born by the Spirit of God. So that in verse 5 of, of John chapter 3, the Lord Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. To be born of water, we are speaking there of the natural birth. When the woman's water breaks and the child comes forth. That is the natural biological birth. And then to be born of the Spirit is now to be born from above, to be born by the Spirit of God, the spiritual birth. In, in effect, what is being spoken of here is can, can be put in a very simple um, phrase. If you are born once, you will die twice. If you are born naturally, you will die naturally and you will die spiritually. But if you are born twice, if you are born naturally and you are born spiritually, you will only die once. You will die naturally, but you will live eternally. He goes on to explain this being born from above. He says, flesh can only give birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. What is of flesh? What is of man can only produce what is of man. 
But what is of the spirit will only will produce what is of the spirit. Man is a spirit who lives in a body and has a soul or a mind. In fact, we, we find the scriptures addressing man in this format. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I just read a verse there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. The Bible says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, man has a spirit dwelling in a body. I'm sorry, man is a spirit dwelling in a body and he possesses a soul. Now, <coughs> excuse me. The spirit of man is the real person. Before this new birth, when we are born naturally, the spirit of man is born dormant. And all that man works with in the flesh, in, in the body, is the soul. The, the scriptures actually describe this as the flesh. Not the physical flesh, but the soul is called the flesh. Uh, maybe in, in one of these occasions, we'll be able to explain the matter of the flesh also, which is also one of the fundamentals that we need to discuss. The flesh is regarded as the zone or the place where the natural man, the, the, the human nature that loves to sin, that is where he, he abides. He dwells in the, in, in the soul. He dwells in the flesh. So when a man has been has been born of, nat of his natural parents and he comes forth out of the womb, he possesses that soul, that nature of man, which is why you don't teach a child to tell a lie. It comes naturally. He is born, <coughs> excuse me, with it. He's, it is in his DNA to tell lies. The sin of man at the beginning is in him. But when God wants to bring salvation to a man, he he goes to the spirit of man to awaken that spirit. He awakens the spirit by a spiritual operation. But that man is involved in that act. So what happens is the gospel has been preached. The man has been convicted, which is the work of the Holy Spirit anyway. The Holy Spirit opens a small channel to bring conviction to the man. The man is convinced in his soul that he is indeed a sinner. And that he needs a savior. So with this conviction and convincing, he goes and makes his confession and repents before the Lord. And he receives the Lord Jesus Christ into him. Thus, his spirit, when he is born again, his spirit is regenerated or reawakened. And a link between the man and God is now reestablished. That link that was broken at the beginning when Adam sinned, is now re-established. And so sometimes the new birth, the being born again, is spoken of in terms of a reawakening, whereby the spirit of man is reawakened. And it, because the spirit of man is reawakened and is linked through the spirit of God to God, there are certain things that now begin to take place in his life. But let us still pursue this discussion on being born again a little further. In John chapter 1, John chapter 1, from verse 10 through to verse 13. John chapter 1, verse 10 through to verse 13. I read, He, that is Jesus Christ, was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. He's talking of coming to the Jews, 
and the Jews did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right or the privilege or the authority or the power to become children of God to those who believe in his name. You see, there's a difference. The Bible distinguishes between a child of God and a creation of God. When we were born naturally, we were, we were a creation of God. But when we are born spiritually, we are now children of God. We are sons of God. And it says, to those who believe in his name. In verse 13, it says, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. What is this saying here? The Amplified puts verse 13 this way. It says, those people who owe their birth, they owe their birth neither to blood, nor to the will of the flesh. That is that of physical impulses. It's not because of, I say, just something that happens accidentally. No, it is, it is something that happens deliberately by God. It says, nor to the will of man, that of a natural father. It is not the, it is not the result of intercourse between your father and your mother. No, it's more than that. It says, but to God. They owe their birth to God. They are born of God. This is a birth that is activated and consummated by God himself. So it is God who has given birth to those people who have been born again. They are born from above. They are born anew. In 1 John chapter 3, I'm going to read from verse 4 to 10, and it expounds a little bit on what we are discussing here. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. In verse 5 it says, And you know that he, that is Jesus Christ, was manifested to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. We've discussed this when we were discussing the gospel from the beginning. Jesus Christ came to take away our sins, to deal with sin in the man. And that's the gospel message. In verse 6 it says, Whoever abides in him, whoever abides in Christ, whoever lives with in Christ, whoever dwells in, in Christ, does not sin. This is a categorical statement. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he, that is Jesus, is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Let me pause here. What he's saying is that if you are born again, you cannot sin. And I'm going to explain that later on. You cannot sin because you are born of God and God cannot sin. God does not sin. In fact, God hates sin. God hates lawlessness. So if you are born again, you cannot sin. He says, if you are in Christ, if you are really in Christ, you cannot sin because Christ does not sin. He said, in fact, Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. The devil is, is, is the author of sin. He says, he who sins is of the devil. So the devil is the author of sin and Christ came to destroy the work of the devil, which is sin. So what he's saying invariably is, if you are born again, sin has been destroyed in your life. So that when, you, 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 when your spirit was linked to God, Everything that had to do with sin was taken out of you. In verse 9, it says, Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed, the seed of God, remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. He says, when, when you have been born of God, you cannot sin. And let me explain this way. 
You cannot knowingly sin. You cannot consistently sin. If you sinned accidentally, you will instantly be convicted in your heart that what you have just done is a sin and straight away you will be nudged to repent and you will repent and the blood of Jesus is available and it will cleanse you. But you cannot consistently and persistently engage in sin and say that you are born again. No. In verse 10, it says, of 1 John chapter 3, it says, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. So what he's saying here is that if you are born again, there are certain things that will be clear in your life. Number one, you, your life will be devoid of sin. Number two, you will have love for other Christians. Those, those are now your brothers. That's now your family because you have been born again by God. So all those who are born again belong to one massive family. All those who are not born again are creation. They were created by God, no doubt. But those who are born again now have a special kind of relationship with God. Through this relationship, they are able to pray to God. They are able to have communion with God. They are able to talk to God and they are able to hear God speak to them. Let me pursue this uh, subject a little further. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to read from verse 3 to verse 5. It writes, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again, has brought us, has, has given birth to us again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, not to a dead hope, but to a hope that is alive, that whatever it is that he has told us will surely come to pass. We are not given, we are not, we are not being told, <coughs> excuse me, of a hopeless uh, situation. There is a hope and it is a lively hope. It is a hope that is well alive. In verse 4, it says, not only are we uh, to, uh, uh, born again to a, to a living hope through Christ, uh, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, but to an inheritance, <coughs> every child, receives an inheritance from their father. So we are born to an inheritance which is incorruptible, cannot be corrupted, that's what it means, and undefiled, not stained, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. This is the, the wonderful joy of what happens when somebody has been born again. There is an inheritance waiting for you, not here on the earth, in heaven. You don't have an inheritance here on the earth. That is why it is strange to when I find preachers who are encouraging people to, to do so much here on the earth, and yet they are not focused <coughs> excuse me, on eternity. You have an inheritance. It cannot be corrupted. It's not like the one on earth. It cannot be, it cannot be defiled. It cannot fade away. It cannot be stolen. There can be no theft. There can be no, no stain. Nothing. It cannot decay. It does not fade away. And it is reserved in heaven. I, I'm, I'm reminded of those parties that you go to. And you will see a name tag on the chairs. You see sometimes they just say the name reserved. You don't go there. Or you see your name written there. Then you know this is where to sit. <clears throat> in heaven it's like that. Every man's inheritance is reserved with his name. And it, once you are born again, once God gives birth to you, he places that. He says, this is for my child when he comes. In verse 5, it talks about those who are kept by the power of God. Not only does God bring you forth. 
by giving birth to you again. But he is now preserves you by his power through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So being born again has fantastic benefits. One of the benefits is that you, you have a reservation, a reserved place for you in heaven. Provided you remain born again till the end. Because the Bible says it is those who endure till the end that will inherit the kingdom. In verse 23 of 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. You are born again, not of, an in, not of a corruptible seed, not of a seed that can be corrupted, so that your life is also corrupted. The seed of man, which is the spermatozoa of a man, is already corrupted. It's corrupted with sin. So every man, every individual born of a woman through sexual intercourse by a man is corrupt. That is why the Bible tells us in John chapter 1 verse 13 that we are not born of the will of man. We are not born of men. We are not born of man. We are born of God. You are not born of the spermatozoa of a man. That was a natural birth. You are born of the seed of God, which is the word of God. It's an incorruptible seed. It cannot be corrupted. Sin cannot corrupt the word of God. And it says the word of God abides forever. So you are born with something that lives forever. You are born of a seed of eternal value, of a, sin, of a seed of eternity. So that we discover that because of this birth taking place, certain things happen. Let me explain it to you this way. When a man is born naturally, when a man is born of the uh, intercourse between a man and a woman, he takes on the nature of his parents, the nature of the ancestors of even his parents. And this nature in general is behavioral, it's even speech, sometimes even mannerisms, it's natural. And what is crucial about the DNA of the natural man is that of sin. He loves to sin. He cannot help himself. Even when he makes a resolution not to sin, he finds himself being drawn more and more to sin. Indeed, after such a resolution. That is because he's a natural man. There's nothing he can do about it. But when he is born again, when he is born of God, when he is born spiritually, when he is reborn of God, the DNA of God through the word of God and the spirit of God comes into him. And because God cannot sin and does not sin, that man cannot knowingly sin. And if he sins by error, he also cannot sin consistently. Let me give an illustration. It is possible for you to be going somewhere and accidentally step into a pool of water. What you will do is to quickly come out, shake your feet, get the water off and continue. But that, that is an accidental um, situation. But when you have a swimming pool, you take off your clothes and you jump into it. You are swimming in the swimming pool. When a man knowingly sins, he is like entering that swimming pool and swimming. But when a man sins unknowingly, it is like accidentally putting your foot in a pond of water. What you want to do is not to rest your feet there, but to bring it up because it was an accidental thing. You cannot leave your feet there. You cannot accidentally enter into a swimming pool and want to swim on. You, the first thing you want to do is to go, get out of the pool and, and get dry. But if you intended to swim, you will take off your clothes and you jump into the, into, into the pool and you enjoy your, your swimming. So that for a child of God, he cannot enjoy sin. In fact, sin is an anathema to the child of God. If he sins, he immediately confesses it. 
and repents of it. He turns away from it. Never to commit that sin again. He will, he will understand the things that made him to get into it. And then he will, he, he will immediately retrace his steps. So to claim to be born again and to live apart <coughs> from the word of God is to be found a liar. In fact, when a person is born again, his love for the word of God suddenly blossoms. Because before he became born again, he didn't love the word of God. When people told him about the word of God, when people spoke the word of God to him, it was an irritation to him. Even, if, even when he went to church, it was still an irritation. He was probably there for one reason or the other. Maybe he had a problem, and so he was willing to accommodate it. But now, when he's born again, he is in love with the word of God. He cannot but read the Bible every day. You don't beg him to do that. Because that is what brought him forth into Christ. The word of God. He cannot put it aside. To claim to be born again and to live contrary to God is clearly a sign that that person is not born again. Children, for some reason, look at infants. They warm up to their mothers. If, if somebody else cries, then they begin to cry. They get antsy. They, they don't know who that person is. Even though the child is not old enough to be able to recognize faces. But instinctively, he knows his mother. Even the voice of the father, he knows. So when a stranger enters the room, he becomes antsy and wondering, who is this fellow? Who is this person that is coming? That is how a child of God should be. A child of God is comfortable where God is. He can never be comfortable where God is not. In, in John chapter 10, the Lord Jesus said that those who are his, his sheep, they know him. They hear his voice. They're excited by his voice. They walk towards him. When they hear the voice of a stranger, they run away from that stranger. So when somebody is born again, he will resemble God inwardly and outwardly. Just like a natural child resembles his parents facially, emotionally, behaviorally, a child of God will resemble God inwardly and outwardly. I have heard people say that God is not interested in the outward. God is interested in the inward. That is a lie. God is interested in both the inward and the outward. Remember when, when we read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, where he said that God will sanctify you wholly, spirit, soul, and body, including the outward. God is interested in the outward. He's interested in how you dress. He's interested in how you speak. He's interested in how you conduct yourself. You cannot dress like a prostitute and say that you are born again. I can understand if, as a, as a young believer, that's all the clothing you have. But by the time you have gone one, two months, you're born again, you're working, you have income, you're making new clothes. You cannot make those same kind of clothes. Your, everything about you will change. This is the issue about being born again. If there is no physical evidence of a change in your life, my brother, sister, friend, you're not born again. You're just a church goer. Because being born again is that something has changed in you. You cannot love sin. You, you will hate sin with a passion. Even the sins you committed in time past, you will hate it with a passion. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9, the Bible is right, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by extension, speaking of you and I. It says, thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Why did God anoint this fellow above his fellows? Because he loved righteousness. Not just that. And he hated iniquity. The two must go together. You cannot love righteousness and accommodate iniquity. And God will anoint you. No. You must love righteousness and hate iniquity. Put simply, 
you will love what God loves, you will hate what God hates. If you are born again, you will only love what God loves, you will hate everything that God hates. You cannot be born again and love what God hates. Be arguing something that God says, I hate. You say, no, you cannot. Because the seed of God is in you. So where we find such things taking place, it is evidence that that man is not born again. Now, the anointing of God, because it says, therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellow. I need to explain this matter of anointing. Because so many people have turned anointing into something else. Every child of God who loves righteousness and hates iniquity is anointed. Now, let me explain anointing. For those who have cats, they will understand this. When a cat rubs all over you, you have cat hair all over your, 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 your trousers, your dress, your sofa, and so on and so forth. Your bed, if you allow your cat on your bed, you have the hair of the cat is all over there. Why? Because the cat is rubbing on you. An anointing is like rubbing on you. So what he's saying here when he talks of anointing is that you and the Holy Spirit are interacting one with another. So the Spirit of God is rubbing on you. Now, the Spirit of God cannot rub on somebody who loves sin. God cannot even go near the person. He cannot rub on somebody who is proud because the Bible says that God regards the proud from afar off. He cannot rub on somebody who is wicked. A wicked man is somebody who hates what God loves, who loves what God hates. That's a wicked man. And God, the Bible says, the, the, a wicked man is an abomination to God. So it is not possible for God to have interaction with someone who hates, right, who, who hates righteousness and loves iniquity. The two must go together. Even if all you did was just love righteousness, and you didn't love, you didn't hate iniquity, you cannot get this kind of anointing. God does not rub on you because you have not yet hated iniquity. You must hate it. And if indeed the DNA of God is in you, the DNA of God hates iniquity, so you will hate it. So we need to, you, we need to begin to re-examine ourselves when we say we are born again. You are born, if you are indeed born of the Spirit of God, then there's only one thing that can happen. You will act as God wants you to act. You will love the word of God. You will live as God <clears throat> wants you to live. When you are born again, you have become a new man. Everything about you in the past is indeed in the past. Is an old person. Is no longer a new person. I remember once I was uh, with my wife and we went to visit a friend of mine, a very dear friend of mine. In fact, you call him my brother. Because we grew up together and we've been friends now for well over 40 years. And in the course of our uh, interaction, he said to my wife, you don't know your husband. Let me tell you about him. And I told my friend, I said, no, the man you are talking, you, that fellow you are talking about is dead. The person you are seeing is a new person. That fellow you, are, you want to talk about, that fellow died long ago. That is what it means to be born again. The old man is dead. A new man has come forth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. He's been created anew. He's been born anew. He's been born again. He goes on and says, All things have passed away. The things he used to do, they are now in the past. Behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. Everything about that man is new. 
your what you wanted to do before you got born again is gone. God now has a new mission for you. The, 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 the vocation that you were engaged in is finished. God has a new vocation for you. It may still be a part of your old vocation, but it is a completely new thing. There are many people who desired to be governors, to be presidents. But the moment God came, God told them, no, I have a different work for you. So their, their purpose in life changed. Your vision in life must change. Not to talk of your personality. Your personality must change. How else will they know that you are changed? If you are still the same person. There are people who get born again. And when they look at them, they, they, they don't even tell anybody that they are born again. But people say, there's something about this man. He's changed. He's changed. He's not like before. He's not as quarrelsome as before. He doesn't get angry as before. Something has changed. They can't place a finger on it. But he has changed. That is what it means to be born again. The old has passed away. The new has come. Let me read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 to 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, from verse 9 to 11. It says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? We've spoken of the kingdom of God and inheritance of God. It is for those who are righteous, those who are born again. It says, Do not be deceived, neither fornicators. Speaking of people who are consistently persistently doing, committing fornication. That's what he's talking about. They're fornicators. He's using a, a verb to describe them. So it is a, is a verb like a noun. No idolaters. People who are engaged in idolatry or covetousness. No adulterers. People who are married but are having relations outside of their marriage. No homosexuals. Men with men, women with women. No sodomites. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Just let's, let's pause a little bit and look at some of these things. How can you be getting involved in sexual acts with someone to whom you are not married and you are still going to church and you say you are born again? You are not. The kingdom of God, you cannot inherit it. Just like the Lord Jesus said to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Except he be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter. So it's not possible. If these people will not inherit the kingdom of God, it means that they are not born again. So if a person says to you that I'm born again and he's still stealing, he's a thief. He's not born again. If you are born again, covetousness is a thing of the past for you. Drunkenness, reviling. Some people talk about that because where does the Bible say alcohol? It's not drunkards. In verse 11, it says, And such were some of you. Some were some of us. I was like this. Were is in the past tense. This is a past thing. You used to do this thing before you came to Christ, before you got born again. But at that time, when you got born again, you were washed. But you were sanctified, set apart, separated from that sinful nature. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You were born again. You may have been doing those things, but now that you are born again, you no longer do those things. Your life has changed. You are no longer engaged in such practices. You are now a new man. You used to commit fornication, but you no longer do that. You were an adulterer, but you no longer commit adultery. 
You were an idolater. You used to go to your village meetings where you drink kai kai and, and discuss uh, things that do not edify. But now you no longer do that because you are a new creation. You have been born anew. Let me read further in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Because this is a matter that we must understand. It's a fundamental issue that we must discuss in our lives concerning what God's expectation is of us. I'm going to read from verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2 through to verse 18. It says, for we are those who are born again. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are created to do good works, works that are approved of God, approved by God, <clears throat> which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, you were once Gentiles as against the Jews who are called on circumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hand. The Jews themselves, he said, they, they need to understand that they need to be born again themselves. They, 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 are only, they are only Jews in the flesh. They are not Jews in the spirit. He says that at that time, when we were still Gentiles, when we had not been born again, when we were still living in our natural selves, in our old nature, he says, you were without Christ. Being aliens, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. We're talking here of spiritual Israel now. And strangers from the covenant of promise. This was how God related with his people, through promise. He made promises and those promises were in covenant forms. We were alienated. We're not a part of this. We, as says, having no hope and without God in this world, we were on our own. We lived as we liked. We made laws ourselves. We did whatever we liked and we're excited about it. In verse 13, it says, But now, now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. When Christ shed his blood, by his blood, we were brought near, we were brought close to God. We were distant from God before. But through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ by his, by his death on, on the cross and his shed blood, we have been washed in the blood of Jesus and we have been brought near to God. In verse 14 it says, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Here he's talking about Christian, uh, he's talking about um, the Gentiles who are now Christians and the Jews who are now Christians. The two are now one. There's no Jew that is natural Jew. All of us are now spiritual Jews. That's what he's saying here. We are now the middle wall of separation that separated Gentiles from Jews, have been broken. We are all now one in Christ Jesus. In verse 15, it says, Having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. We are now at peace. And that he might reconcile them both, both Jews and Gentiles who are now in Christ, both to God, in one body, through the cross, therefore putting to death the enmity. What's he talking about here now? He's talking about bringing us into one body, the body of Christ, the church, and bringing us to have relationship with God the Father. Therefore, removing the enmity that was between man and God. In verse 7, it says, And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off, and to those who were near. We are far off are the Gentiles, those who were near are the Jews. 
He came to preach peace to them. For through him, we both have access by the Spirit, by one Spirit rather, to the Father. So now, <clears throat> God is our Father. Because we are children of God. So we can now pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth, and so on and so forth. And it has meaning. But before now, before being born again, even when you said, Our Father which art in heaven, God is wondering, who is this fellow? Because the Bible says that the prayer of a sinner is abomination unto God. God does not hear the prayers of a sinner. The only prayer of a sinner that God will hear is the prayer of repentance. God will quickly hear that. If that repentance is genuine, God will listen to that faith. Now you are a child of God. In Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible tells us of one crucial benefit of being born again. Let me read from, from verse 1 through to verse um, 11 very quickly. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by no great, so great rather, a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. We are expected to strive against sin. We must not give in to sin. In verse 5 it says, And you have, and you have forgotten the ex exhortation which speaks to you as to sons, as to children of God. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. Verse 7. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they, that is our earthly parents, Indeed, for a few days, the short time that they had on earth and even with us before we entered into adulthood, chastened us as seemed best to them. But he, that is God, for our profit, <clears throat> that we may be partakers of his holiness. God chastens us so that we can be partakers of his holiness, his holy nature. We can live a life of holiness. In verse 11 it says, Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful nevertheless. Afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. What is the Bible saying here? One of the principal joys of being born again, of being a son of God, is that you can be corrected by God. You can be disciplined by God. You can be chastened by God. And that is joyful. The Bible says, if God does not correct you, you are not a son of his. You are, you are, you are illegitimate. You are a bastard. So, you are going to church. You are living contrary to the word of God. And God does not chastise you. You are not born of God. If you see two children misbehaving, and you see one woman run from outside, and grabs one of the children, and beats the living daylight out of him, you know that that child that that woman beat is, is her child. 
She does not care about the child that, that, is not his, that is not hers. She cares about her child. She will spank that child and say, I've warned you, never go there. Meanwhile, it was two of them. And the child will be warned him, but it was two of us. The child does not understand that is the love of the mother that made the mother spank him. It's the same way. When God is chastising you, correcting you to change your ways, it is because he loves you. It's because you are a child of his. But when you are doing something wrong and God does not correct you, Neither your pastor is speaking against sin, nor do you read the Bible to find correction. And whenever you hear somebody who is preaching the word that is chastening you on, the, on television or radio or Facebook or anywhere that you have cause to listen to the word of God, you switch it off, you are an illegitimate child. You are not a child of God. You are just, you are just a, like the Bible puts it, a bastard, milling amongst those who are born again. But if you are a child of God, it should give you joy that you did something wrong and God spanked you. God told um, David, I think it, that's in, that must be in Second um, Second Chronicles, I believe it is. Uh, no, First Chronicles, I think it is. Uh, is it First Kings or so? What, what, I think it's First Kings. Uh, Second Samuel, it is. He told him about. Let, let me let me search for that scripture. He told him about uh, what he would do to his to his child if his child were to misbehave. How he would spank his child and. He, he, he would punish him. He would chastise him. But he will not let him go. I think it's 2 Samuel chapter 7. Um, yes, 2 Samuel chapter 7. And I'm going to read it. He was talking about David's son, Solomon, in verse uh, 14. He says, I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the, with the um, blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul whom I removed from before you. Saul had no chance anywhere to survive because God had withdrawn his mercy. No wonder David wrote in Psalm 23, the last verse says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He was sure because he's a child of God and because of the chastening of God. David did many things that were wrong, but God kept chastising him. Solomon also did a few things that were wrong, but God chastised him as well. The joy of being a child of God is that you now have God correcting you. Don't do this. Why did you do that? Repent. Go and go and go and go and apologize. You shouldn't be doing that. That is a child of God. But that you are committing sin, you are living in sin, dwelling in it, and there is no, nothing correcting you. Sorry, you're not a child of God. You are not born. God knows. The Bible says, God knows those who are his. And let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So you cannot love iniquity and say God will come to you. He doesn't. You must be born again. So if you have been going to church and you're not born again, I plead with you, be born again. Understand that the new life is based on a new birth. By the Spirit of God, reawakening, <coughs> excuse me, the spirit of man that was once dormant, and thus re-establishing the communication and relationship that was lost through Adam in the Garden of Eden because of Adam's disobedience and sin. That is why, if indeed you are born again, you cannot be disobedient to the Word of God. If indeed you are born again, you cannot be rebellious to the Word of God. It is that rebellion that separated man from God at the beginning in the Garden of Eden. So when God brings forth somebody, when a person is born again, he is brought back. And the sin of his ancestors, the sin of Adam, and his own sins are wiped away clean. All things, all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now that you are born again, 
You have to start relating with God as your father. You are no, God is no longer a stranger to you. He's your father. You can speak to God in the quietness of your room. You can communicate with God. You can tell the Lord what it is that is bothering you. <clears throat> I am not saying talking just because you want to ask for money or ask for this. No. I mean having serious conversation. Thank you for, this, for my salvation. Thank you that now I'm born again. What do you want me to do next? Where do you want me to worship? Oh, that message that I heard, I didn't understand it. Can you please explain it to me? And you're reading the Bible say, oh Lord, this verse, I don't understand it. Please explain it to me. You must start talking to God as a, as, because he's your father. Now, if on the other hand, you are not born again yet, you have not yet, the spirit of God has not given birth to you, and you desire it, it's a good thing that you desire, but you must begin by repenting, acknowledging that you are a sinner, recognizing that Christ is the Savior who can save you from your sins. And then you go to God in prayer. Pray however you understand it. I'm not going to tell you, pray like this, pray like that. But recognize in your prayer that one, you're a sinner and that you want Jesus Christ to save your soul. And then go to him and say, Lord, please save my soul. Save me. Something is going to happen. You will know there's the, the proof of it will be there because you will be new. It will be a new life. The things you loved, the things of sin that you loved, you will no longer love them. You will hate them. Everything about God that you hated, you are going to fall in love with. You're not only going to fall in love with the things of God, you're also going to fall in love with the children of God. You cannot be a Christian and hate other Christians. You cannot be a Christian and see your Christian brother engaging in one thing or the other and not support him. Not to talk of unbelievers that God even expects us to show kindness and love to. Until we meet again in November, I want to leave you with this plea and admonition. That now that you are born again, for those of us who are born again, seek out the word of God, so that you might be able to have understanding of all that God has done for you. The Bible says that this is God speaking. Say, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Seek knowledge, seek God, and do not perish for the lack of knowledge. God bless you.